Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about how to get a solo game finished? Yeah, I totally do, because I actually do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, you do. Cool. Uh, let's cue some music. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And on today's episode, we got a question from Magical Girl Kira on TikTok. On where? On TikTok. Ta-da! I really want to get into, like, single-player games, like journaling games and stuff, but... I have trouble motivating myself to do it and staying engaged with it. Do you have any advice for that? Thanks. Love the show. So basically, uh, we are going to talk about how to stay engaged for solo RPGs. Yes. Cool. Um, which is good because um, this is a thing that... Uh, we have a little expertise in in two separate areas, which I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me start by defining a few things, <laughs> and then we'll talk about our expertise. Yes, good. Cool, cool. Please define. All right, yes. solo RPG is an RPG that has only one person playing it. The game itself directs play, often through uh, prompts. Um, many, not all solo games play out through journaling. There are some definite exceptions uh, um, to that, but journaling is a very common method um, to play out a solo RPG. There are some where you actually, um, like Iron Sworn, you can play solo um, that plays a lot more like a, a multiplayer RPG than a solo one, but a lot of solo RPGs that um, you and I are familiar with often have um, a journaling or writing component to it. But you will find cool variations all over the place. Yes, I will talk about some yeah, of them. Yeah, the, the key part to this <laughs> is that only one player is playing. This is not a one-on-one -on -one game, like one GM, one player. This is just one player is playing the game. A single individual yeah, play. that is the that is the core part of that definition. Everything else is um, just tacked on. Okay. Yep. Um, so Senda's played a bunch of these uh, mm -hmm. uh, and has been playing them recently, like all through the pandemic. So this is mm -hmm. this is uh, topical knowledge that you are very fresh on. Mm -hmm. um, and I once on a lark wrote a um, wrote a uh, solo RPG um, called uh, Whirlwind Millionaire, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, you did. It was great. So in order to get us started, Senda, I thought it would just be cool if you just named a couple of your favorite solo RPGs, um, just so that if people are listening to this and we're like, oh, I'm not really familiar with solo RPGs, you know, and wanted to pause and look, you know, look something up on the internet, like what would be like some solo RPGs that you just point somebody at? Yeah, um, so... I'm going to, I'm going to list three and um, I'm going to list three specifically because they kind of cover different types of experiences. So if you just want to play a game by yourself for an afternoon, um, then I would recommend a game called Twain, which is a kind of a solo LARP 
almost more than a journaling game or anything. Um, but it's very fun and cool. And you just you would just play it like in a day or in an afternoon. I played it in like, you know, a couple hours um, and really enjoyed it. Um, it's about rediscovering magic and um, your missing twin. No, oh, cool. Um, so that one's and it's beautiful. The print is absolutely gorgeous. Um, Field Guide to Memory is one of my favorite um, long form journaling games in that it it basically comes with daily prompts, and the idea is that you engage it daily, write your journal entry um, based on uh, the story prompts, and um, you're reacting to information that is coming to you. And so you kind of are having your experience of the story, but the story is the story. <clears throat> so it's kind of a, as a, a journaling game, it's a neat experience. It's revealing itself to you as you go. And part of the excitement of that game is like, oh my gosh, I need to find out what happened, right? Um, and, then, and then having to wait till the next day. <laughs> um, and then the other one that I will mention is Thousand Year Old Vampire, which is um, more of the kind of game where you actually roll to see what prompt you go to next. Um, and, uh, and, and, and sometimes there's some mechanical stuff where you may lose things or gain things. And so there's a little bit more tracking of like, I have skills or have items. Um, and the interesting thing with that one is also then tracking memories are a thing that you might lose, um, as well as gaining. So, um, that one is a little bit more, uh, has a little bit more mechanical stuff. So if you want to have more mechanical things in the game that make you engage in a way we're a little bit more accustomed to with an RPG, other than a very freeform sort of journaling experience, um, then Thousand Year Old Vampire is what, probably what I would point you at. And that one is one that you can play in whatever, you know, you choose your time frame, right? Like if you want to sit down and play it for an afternoon till you die, you can do that. If you want to spread it out, you can do that. Um, you can kind of get as deep in or play that one a little bit more, uh, a little surface, uh, not surface level really, but like you can do like a short form version of where you don't write as much information or you can like really get in and write like, you know, full journal entries, um, just depending on what you're into. Uh, yeah. So those are three that I will just throw out there. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about Whirlwind Millionaire though? Sure. Whirlwind Millionaire is, um, is a, uh, solo RPG I wrote um, based on the idea of uh, you have won the lottery uh, and now all this stuff starts happening in your life um, and you have to like make some um, like make some decisions about it and um, it's partially um, it was actually an idea that uh, Blake Ryan Batman uh, inspired me towards like we were messing around with the concept of it on Twitter and then I just kind of like took it and uh, and ran and ran with it um, and kind of put something, to, you know, and put it together in an actual game form. Um, but it is uh, it is a series of cards. So you get this um, on drive-through cards. Um, you order mm -hmm. on drive-through cards. The cards have prompts about the different kinds of things that can go wrong, like things involving um, investments, um, family stuff, um, things like that. Uh, and um, and there's like a little bit of uh, PBTA mechanics. Uh, in there, uh, in that you yeah, make some, see how you resolve yeah, in that yeah. you make you actually roll. So, like, your main method of keeping track of what happens in the game is journaling, but um, you actually do roll to see what happens um, when these things when these things come up, um, and then you just kind of play through. And you also have, um, oh, if I remember, it's been so long. I think you have a certain amount of money and like a certain amount of um, 
health or whatever. Um, so you actually could go broke. Um, yeah. Like if you make if you make like bad decisions um, or roll poorly, like you can run out of money. And um, you can just, you know, you had millions of dollars. Now you have nothing. Um, Or, you know, your health and sanity can break down um, from the pressures uh, that you're under. So, yeah, uh, it is very much a like um, you can play it. um, You can just play it in an afternoon. You can sit down um, and just like play through the cards and like you can, you know, just jot some notes or whatever. Um, Or um, you can slow it down and just play daily. Right, just do like mm-hmm. a card a day kind of thing. Like, it's um, it's not paced for you. It's paced on how much you want to engage it. Yep. But uh, yeah, it seems like a million years ago. I. Uh, it was a while ago. It's not. It wasn't. I mean, it was pre-pandemic, so everything is a million years ago. Yeah, I mean, it just like <laughs> I mean, it seems so long ago. Um, yeah, Tim Jones did such a um sweet job on the cards. Um, putting them together right they they look they look like kind of uh scratch off cards yeah. right we made them on is it is there a pdf version too or do you or just, oh yeah no no you totally can um so if you wanted to drive through cards um you can get the pdf and print and play it yourself right so just you know yeah you could print it sleeve them um you know throw them in some card sleeves and, and play it um or um you can do it out for cards right it's um it's i'm looking at it right now it's 295 if you just want the pdf and it's five ninety five um, for the cards, and then like shipping and things like that. It's yeah. not terribly expensive. I, it's a cute little game. Um, I had fun putting it together. It was like one of those. It was one of those things that like really quick the idea hit on. Like I was just chatting with Blake Ryan Batman. We were messing around with it on Twitter, and then I like wound up um, sending Blake an email and was like, "Hey, I just like wrote a whole bunch of rules for this thing." Like. <laughs> I think I want to take this further. Are you kind of cool with it? And he was like, oh, no, I'm totally cool with it. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, you know, I'm going to, like, I'm just going to, like, run with this and finish it off. And it was just a very kind of oh, quick. I have no idea how that works. I didn't write a game the other day or anything. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just one of those things. It was just a, a like, it was a spur of the moment. It was a very quick put together. Had a couple, I sent it out to a bunch of people to play it, that kind of thing. So, Anyway, um, that is like that's enough plugging our own shit here. Um, what we really need to do is get to the topic at hand, right? And so yes. we're getting back to um, how to stay engaged in solo RPGs, right? So, i.e., how do you quote finish them? Since most solo RPGs actually do finish, how do yes. you finish a solo RPG? So we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna do what what pandas do best. You know what I realized as a side. Hmm. pandas are black and white like mm-hmm. so they are two colors and we always do like sure. two like well i mean we don't always anymore but historically but yeah yeah yes. yeah. you know like our our superpower right is uh, tackling things from two approaches two perspectives yeah sure. and then sure. there's two of us like i just never realized like the panda became like a very good mascot for this i know <laughs> okay anyway back on topic we're going to tackle this request from two different angles Senda is going to look at this and talk about staying engaged from the perspective of the game that you're playing. And we'll get yes. into we'll unpack that a bit. I'm going to take I'm going to take um the angle of how to address this from a motivation productivity angle. Um because yes. that's the thing that uh I'm pretty good at. 
is motivation yes. and productivity. So we're going to really we're going to take a look <laughs> at both of those angles and I'm just going to, you know, hint that um it's a combination of these things. But right. we're going to do what we do best, pull them apart, show you all the pieces and then put it back together. Yeah. Cool. Senda. Yeah. Take it. Yeah, so starting with games. Um the first thing is to find a game that has something about it that grabs you in a way that is going to interest you. And whether that means the setting or the story concept, like whatever it is, right? Um, the game that I am just finishing up a little bit behind because I got a little behind on it is uh, Shape of Shadows, which caught me because like you're a magician's uh, assistant and um, your magician turned into an animal and you don't know what happened. Right, like, so like, okay. Um, and then the next one that I'm hoping to play after this is The Last Will and Testament of Gideon Blythe, which is a game where, um, oh, I don't remember the details now, so you may have to go look this up, um, but you'll find it, it's a Gian Shim game, and um, it's about like your father died, I wanna say, and so you've been estranged from your family for some long period of time, and it's like, kind of like the Adams family because it's like weird haunted like are you going to inherit the legacy of the house and family or do you turn away from it and so it's a game about that right so cool weird kind of creepy stuff and um oh there's more I could keep listing off because I have a bunch I want to play right but um anyway obviously part of the most important thing just like when you're picking a game as a group when you're trying to find something that interests everybody to make sure everyone will engage with it um, the, the initial thing has to catch you, um, so that you will want to play it. Right. So like picking something that has that initial, like, Ooh, cool. Um, for me, that tends to be less of a setting thing and more of a story thing, but depending on what it is that tends to catch you, maybe that is a setting thing, or maybe it's like how the game works or whatever that is. Right. Sorry, did you have a, you took a breath like you were going to oh, say no, something. Oh, no, no, I'm 100% with you, right? I mean, I think, the, and, and, okay. and I don't think this is, um, this specific piece of, of uh, advice, I don't think this specific piece of advice um, is true only for solo games, because I think this is absolutely no. true when you go to pick out um, Every, games in your yeah. group, except that you don't have to, um, uh, what you call it, um, you don't have to compromise with anyone. Yeah, this one, you just get to whatever it is that grabs you, go for it <laughs> right you do a you don't have to compromise with anyone but also b there's not going to be anyone with you on this journey so it really does need to be something that gets you all the way not like oh i i think this could be interesting and everyone else is into it so i'll play it um you can't you can't do that with a solo one um you gotta you gotta be all in right yeah absolutely perfect um cool so the next piece is to understand what the game asks you to actually do. Like, what does an instance of engaging with that game look like? And make sure that that actually sounds, firstly, doable, right? Is it a thing that you are comfortable and able to do? And then secondly, does it sound like fun and something that is going to be neat to do that you want to do with your free time, right? Um, and the key thing about this, we talk about solo RPGs as journaling games a lot, and I have done a lot of them that are journaling games, um, but there are many ways that this can um, express itself as a mechanic, right? And sometimes these are a mishmash and they do all sorts of things, and sometimes it's it's one or the other or something, but you know, journaling is a really common one, but you're also going to run into games that ask you to draw, either 
you draw only or in conjunction with journaling. Um, there's one I'm really looking forward to playing um, from Shinyin Core, which you stitch, you actually embroider. Um, and it's called Amending. I'll just say it because it's really cool. <laughs> so that's the one I can't decide what I'm going to play next. And it might be that one. Anyway. Um, but so you actually sew your journey into cloth as you do it. And you, um, you know, you leave knots or beads or buttons or stuff at locations that things happened based on the story. So you're actually stitching that um, in as you go. Um, some of these are more like having a personal LARP moment, whether that's quiet and internal or out loud outside. Um, or, you know, out loud by yourself, whatever that is. So so sometimes there's no actual, like, production of something, just you having that experience in the moment. Um, you might be writing letters instead of journal entries. You know, it's a situation where no one's going to respond, but you're writing letters and that's the activity that you do. You might be collecting objects, or you might be looking for specific things in the world that will prompt you to take an action, right? So there's, like, all kinds of different solo RPGs you could be playing, um, journaling is probably the most frequent one that we run into, but um, it's very beautiful and creative, all of the different ways we can essentially engage with a game um, as a single player and the different ways that people are coming up with to like prompt an action from you as a single player, right? Um, so the other part of that question then is um, how much time does it take you to engage with the game, right? So sometimes if we're talking about a journaling game, that could be, you know, three sentences, or it could be, you know, um, sitting down to engage with this is sometimes going to have a heavy prompt day, and that might take you an hour, right? And so an acknowledgement of how much time you are willing to spend on this, and um, in, in, in the time frame that you expect to play the game in, um, is also key to make sure that you can actually commit that time. Um, and that it will be fun to commit that time to it or that you will enjoy it in whatever way you take from it, right? So whether that means daily prompts, and maybe it's 15 minutes a day, right? Um, or is it daily prompts an hour a day, right? There's a big difference between those two things. Um, or is it when you find a feather outside, you have a moment and you do an action? Or, um, you know, is it something where you set a timer on your phone and when the timer is done, the game is done? Um, or something happens? Um, is it self-motivated, um, like, uh, like, uh, uh, millionaire? Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> just said it. Um, so that, so that it's something that you engage with on kind of whatever time frame you want and decide how you want it to go. Or, you know, maybe something that is specifically a one-shot like Twain that, that, you know, there is a specific end point it is expected to be played in a day or less, right? Mm -hmm. So there's also just an acknowledgement of like, what kind of time frame do you want to play in? And how long are you willing to engage with on that time frame? Um, or how frequently are you willing to engage those prompts? Or do you just kind of want it to be an augmented reality of the world around you? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff to think about. And if journaling doesn't sound like the thing that will engage you in the long term, that does not preclude you from playing solo RPGs because there are definitely games out there that are not journaling games and or are like an afternoon, right? So one, you know, you could play it for an afternoon or there are just augmented reality games that you play ongoing, however long you want to, but you don't have to journal anything for them. Yeah, that's I think why it's really important to kind of like when you're looking or like you said, like when you're looking these up, like look at what the core gameplay is and make that like you know you're it, there's nothing wrong if you don't enjoy journaling 
Like it, yeah, it's okay, right? Yeah. Um, find other ways. Like the whirlwind millionaire doesn't require journaling. Right. Like you have to jot some. Like you can jot some notes, but you and then you could also journal it, right? Like you could, right? So yeah. like if you're super into journaling and you pick up whirlwind millionaire and you're like, wow, it doesn't really mean it doesn't say I have to journal. There's nothing in the game that says you can't. Um, right. But that's in, it's important, right? Because this is like, you know, I don't like I don't play games that are exceedingly crunchy, right? Because yeah. that's not my thing. In solo RPG space, um, the mechanism of how you play solo, right? Like, is you know you want to match that up with what you what you enjoy, with what you enjoy and how much time you're willing to spend on it. Yep. Right. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just a thing. Um. There is there is this other fun thing, and this is definitely what got me started down this path for reals over the pandemic, which is even though you're playing a game by yourself, that doesn't mean that you have to play it alone. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but you can, in fact, um, do si- basically simultaneous play of a game with multiple people. And th- the thing that taught me this was Field Guide to Memory, um, and the specific words that Jian Shim and Xin Yun Kor are using for this is connected path, which means we're all playing our own paths in our own games, but we're playing them at the same time and then sharing that with each other. Um, and my experience of that has been really powerful because you're sharing like your stories with people as you create them. And everybody's kind of in the same place in the story, um, generally-ish, like it doesn't really matter if you get, you know, behind or whatever, but um no, no pressure, <laughs> um, but it's really neat to have, you know, your personal experience and then see that there is a community around you sharing those experiences in different ways. Um, and the end result of that is that, um, you know, you can, you can do that with lots of games, right? It doesn't have to be something that is specifically organized for that. Um, although that certainly is fun and interesting because when it is specifically organized and you're not necessarily playing with like people, you know, you're just like on Twitter being like so many other people are playing this game. It's great. Um, check out the field guide to memory, like tag or like the shape of shadows tag, like on Twitter, you will find all the people who are playing those games. It's very cool. But, um, so like my thousand year old vampire game, um, obviously that's a, a solo journaling game and I was playing it by myself but I was playing it at the same time um as like four or five other people and it was really interesting um to do that and kind of see where our stories started to break apart and just really like splinter off in wild directions um and turn into um you know the things that stuff sometimes turn into when there's there's types of stories and tropes that everyone you know if you if left to your own devices, you tend to chase because it's the kind of stuff you enjoy. Um, and sometimes it happens intentionally, and sometimes it's just what happens because that's like just the kind of story that you like. And uh, and it was really interesting to see um, how that started just occurring uh, in our various stories. <laughs> Andy likes happy endings, and I like drama. And um, and she had she's often in, in vampire like. Stuff's turning up good for her relationship-wise and stuff, and I'm like off. Oops. Well, and that, but that's the thing about so that's the thing about um, that's the thing about a solo RPG is that um, you're driving the story, so you get to drive it to the places that you really enjoy. 
Yeah. I mean, and that is exactly what it is. Like the whole purpose of this is to have an experience that was good for you. Um, and sharing it is fun and interesting and can drive your engagement with it, right? Because it's really cool to show people what you're doing and have them be like, oh, cool, this is what's happening in my world. Um, but in the end, the story and the game time is still yours. And that's a key thing to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And that leads into well, I'm thinking about... Just going to pause you yeah. for a second. Um, you and I um, once... Um, bef- oh, yeah. <laughs> you and I a long time ago <laughs> shared... Um, it wasn't connected path because we weren't playing exactly the same. We were playing the same game, but not the same prompts. Um, right. Well, it was it was close though. Yeah. Right? You and I were yeah. playing um, the Beast, which is yes. my actual first solo RPG that I ever played. <laughs> um, which, by the way, is kind of an intense. Uh, it's not for everyone. Well, I think we should make sure that it, we should we should say that one is rated eighteen plus. Yes, it is rated That's eighteen plus. It is uh, very much. Um, it it is very much about sex, sexuality, um, things like this. It's got some real well. It's got some real topics it's, to it. It's a little dark. It's a little dark. Yeah. If you go look it up, and if it's your thing, you'll know it's your thing. And if it's not, you definitely won't be. Um, yeah. I don't think there's middle ground on 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 the beast on that one. Yeah, but, but you and I, um, you and I were playing <laughs> it, and we were um, sharing with each other our Google Docs. Yeah. <laughs> like, so we were reading each other and we didn't get the same prompts all the time and we didn't yeah. get them in the same order. So in some cases, like we were seeing um, potential future questions, although you don't play all the questions in a game of the beast. Yeah. You play a so, subset. So um, it was definitely, but it, it was, was fun. Like it, it was, was neat. Yeah. And it was yeah. neat to share ideas and just to also see how um, somebody else uh, was playing the game. Yeah, and having that shared experience, but different, mm-hmm. right? Shared simultaneous, but different. Um, it's very, it is very cool. So, so that's a, it's a weird thing to say, but I, w- I would totally recommend playing your solo game with other people. <laughs> yeah, it's like the introverts, um, right? We can go, we can go share space while working on our own things. Um, and it's kind of like that, but you can do it with people who are, you know, long distance. Um, and it, it's not as big of a deal. Anyway, um, the next thing that I was going to mention is, uh, and this is also, we're getting into some stuff that is pretty much the same as, you know, ways to stay engaged with your group game outside of the actual game. But it's very powerful for solo games too. And so that's things like... Um, thinking about your character and the game when you're not playing the game, right? Um, And that tends to happen to me because I get some kind of hyper-focus about it, and I tend to obsess about the games that that really get me, (laughs) like what's going to happen next and like um, really live in that space. And the more that a game connects with me emotionally, the more I tend to do that. And of course, I drive some level of that myself. So to the extent that I can control it, I really connect with it emotionally. Um, But um, that's that's sort of continuing the engagement when you are 
not playing. Um, and another thought that goes with that, and I saw a bunch of people doing this for Shape of Shadows, and it was very cool, right? It's like making playlists that go with the game or with your character. Um, so if you have a character in a game, like what would they be listening to as they're driving to the next show that they're performing? Um, or what things make you think of the atmosphere that this game you know, evokes for you so that you can just play that in the background at work or whatever. And then you have that kind of thought process and that, um, that feeling continuing outside of the actual gameplay itself. Um, so those are just a couple of things. And, and like I said, those are things I think we, I think we've talked about those a little bit um, in terms of staying engaged in the game outside of the game, even for group games, but they really are true also for journaling, not journaling. I shouldn't say journaling. We just talked about how it's not all journaling, but it's really true for solo RPGs too. And so when you're trying to continue excitement for something that goes um, over a longer period of time, then, um, then that kind of stuff will help keep you engaged, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, the last one is uh, everybody has gotten this from me a lot over the last year, which is talking about the game. Talk about it. Talk about it with people. Um, and I've been talking about my games that I've been playing a lot, which I think is probably part of the reason we got this question. <laughs> but I've been really excited about them um, and talking to people about them. Um, I don't know if it shares the excitement or if it just gives me the opportunity to re-engage in that excitement because I'm really excited about them um, pretty consistently. And then there was an interesting thing that I actually did for, um, field guide to memory. I shouldn't say I, cause I was, it wasn't actually me. Right. But, um, there are other ways to kind of engage people around the periphery of your games. So you can have like out of character conversations or just like, Oh my gosh, this game is so cool. And, um, all of that kind of stuff. Right which is even better if you're playing with people that you know, because when I was sitting down with Andy and we were playing Field Guide to Memory or whatever together, it would be like, oh my God, did you do today's prompt yet? Right, like what happened? What happened? Did you find a thing? Like all of that. Um, and wanting to know what each other's stories were in a very close kind of way. But the other thing that happened for me with Field Guide to Memory is that um, I was talking to Wen about it and he was like, well, what if I played, you know, someone that your character knows um, who is not on the same story path, but like then we could text in character and then you could engage in character with another person. And it's, it wouldn't, it's not actually like for me, it was gameplay. And for him, it was a little bit of gameplay, but he wasn't actually playing that game. But it meant that I had gameplay outside of the journaling aspects of that game, which was really cool. So I was sitting down and sending him text messages like, oh my God, this just happened or whatever. I just journaled about the thing that just happened in the prompt. And he was occasionally doing things like, hey, I'm in the Appalachians and like, here's a picture. I think I found some Yeti tracks. And um, and so like, he's like in my journal, his character is in my journal of like, oh, I think he's really going to find them this time. He thinks they're migrating and you know, blah, 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 um, which was just really <laughs> neat. So I would encourage you to either talk about your game out of character or if there's someone in your life who's like, I really don't have time to fully engage on this with you to do this as a connected path, but I would be happy to be like basically an NPC in your world, <laughs> um, then like uh, take that, do that, because it's really neat, especially if you're doing something more long form that is happening over, you know, a period of at least several days, right? So, yeah. So those are my thoughts. I really enjoy them. Um haven't decided what I'm playing yet. And from here, obviously, I'm kind of jazzed up about solo RPGs again, 
because that's that's just where I am now. Um, but uh, yeah, so from here, I think we should probably jump to Phil talking about just the the pure productivity uh, motivational stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is a solo project, right? Um, one of the things about so one of the things about playing a group game that is helpful is that you don't always have to be um, fully emotionally engaged for the game to happen, right? Yes. Um, if you are having kind of a slow day, uh, you join the game with your friends and then start playing and then suddenly you have like a really good time and you're back up, right? You're up and running. Um, or even if you're having a slow day and you kind of either attend the game or sometimes don't attend the game, um, the rest of the group keeps the game going. Yeah. Right, so that's helpful. But when you're playing a solo RPG, uh, you're the only person who has to quote get to the table. Uh, yeah. Right. So there is uh, there is a level of productivity uh, that needs to happen in order to like keep this going. Um, now, the core of what I want to talk about here um, is this: engagement comes from excitement. Mm -hmm. Right. When we are excited about a thing, we want to engage with it. When we are neutral to a thing, it is harder to engage to it. And when we are opposed to a thing, we will resist engaging it. Right. This is yeah. this is basic psychology of, you know, in, like pretty. this is like basic psychology. Right. Um, it plays a lot into work. Um, so, again, engagement comes from excitement. So. What we know about RPGs, um, what we know about RPGs over the years is that, and this is true for solo RPGs as well as it's true for um, multiplayer RPGs, is that your initial excitement for the game has to come from the possibility of the game, not the playing of the game. Because you haven't actually played it yet, right? So there's two phases of excitement, right? The initial excitement is the, oh, this this game seems super interesting, right? This goes to what Senda said about picking the kind of game that appeals to you, or, oh, this game is about, you know, embroidering or map. I love embroidery, right? As you, like, look over all of your threads, you know. <laughs> um, like, oh, this is the one right yeah, here. Yeah, so that initial excitement about what the game is and how you play it, is the thing that will get you into the game, right? It's going to get you started into the game. And then the second part is that the game itself needs to start generating excitement. And also, you also want to kind of help that along. So all the things that Senda said are kind of what gets into um, how we initially get into the game. Hopefully, if the game is well-made, and many of these are very well-made, that um, that second phase will kick in. And then what I want to talk about is how do you, external to the game, help that go along, right? How do you help generate excitement about your game that's not about, like, not directly the game? Yeah, that's not, it's not the what happens next excitement. Exactly. So... Again, keeping this in mind, the things that I want to talk about, and I have a couple, um, are to help reinforce that excitement, whether it's initial or mid-game, because um, mm -hmm. a lot of these will um, actually do both. Yeah. So the first one is, and I think this one's really important, and I 
can I have to give credit where credit's due. Um, I originally encountered this concept in uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen, um, and I have found it to be true for a lot of role-playing stuff, um, which is you must be excited about the tools that you are going to use for this game in order to want to engage with it, right? Yes. So if you're, <laughs> if you're doing a journaling game and you are trying to journal it on like a crappy mead spiral notebook um and that you don't like maybe you love mead yeah. spiral notebooks i'm not i'm not if, i'm not uh, i'm yeah. not dunking i'm not dunking on them i'm just saying if you don't if, like that's it that's the thing yeah. yes if you actively are like ugh your pen is like this, your pen is bleeding through the paper you erase it and rip the paper right like um it's or like I used this for five classes already, and so like there's the weird like the rings are all bent up, and it's been in a backpack a bunch. If and you're me and left-handed, and the you know I hate spiral notebooks with oh, a passion. I see why this was your example, right? Now. <laughs> I hate spiral notebooks with a passion because of where the spiral is. Not that you can't find left-handed ones, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway, the point being is that if you do not like the tools that you are using for the game, you will build up a mental resistance to the game. Maybe not all at once. But as other excitements wane, this resistance will stay with you or increase because the longer you do it, the less you'll like it. Yep. Okay. So if possible, and I say this from an economic standpoint, if possible, get yourself some tools and implements that you're going to be excited about. Now, maybe you already own them. Maybe you're like I once was with a box of journals that were never used because I was too afraid to write something and make a mistake inside a journal, which is a whole therapy session unto itself, um, and just <laughs> yes. collected journals from Walden Books. Because um, <laughs> they're pretty. Because they're pretty, and I had the thoughts to use I'm them, but use were them. too afraid to use them. I have since overcome this, uh, I've overcome this, um, this fear. So maybe you already have them. Like, so scrounge around your house, or maybe you're going to go out and buy some uh, because you can. Um, but in either case, find tools and implements that excite you. Find a nice pen, a pen that you enjoy writing with. Pen that you enjoy writing with does not have to be an expensive pen. It has no. to have the features that you like in a pen, be it um, that it writes really smooth or it has a really fine point or uh, dries really quickly if you're left-handed. Um, or it erases if you are still a person who is scared of making mistakes in your journal but doesn't want to deal with smudgy pencil business. 100%, right? Frixion! Yeah, so by all means, if you want some ideas, uh, check out jetpens.com. Ta-da! Like, free plug for jetpens. Um, but I Why say, are they not sponsoring us correct. yet? <laughs> I say this, though. Because one of the things that jetpens.com has is it has a whole bunch of videos that talk about like these types of paper, these types of ink, these types of pens, these types of gel pens, whatever. And they always have like they have a video and then they show you a whole bunch of these pens across a price range from, oh, I could totally afford that to holy shit, somebody would pay that for a pen mm-hmm. or, you know, pad of paper. Um, but what they do is they kind of show you like where these things like, 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 Oh, are you looking for good left-handed gel pens? There's a video for that. Yep. Right. Are you looking for left-handed stationary? There's actually a video for that too. Um, including cause the Japanese are brilliant. Um, spiral notebooks with squishy, 
plastic rings so that you can put your hand on them. Nice. Okay. And it's not like stabby stabby. Yeah, I'm going to rein myself back in. Okay. New tools and implements, (laughs) right? Now, I I say this because in multiplayer RPGs, I used to be the person that bought a new set of dice for every campaign. New implements, right? Yep. I don't do that anymore because I just have dice I really love. So much. And also so... So many dice. So many dice. And now so I have dice. so many dice. <laughs> yeah. So many dice, right? So the thing about playing solo RPGs is that if they engage some sort of tool, especially in the journaling front, then it is a tool that you use and it is expended. And so the terrible thing about that is then you can justify buying more and then you become me. And then I first had to buy a little organizer. And then now I had to also clear out a drawer in my desk to store the stuff that was slowly taking over the top of my desk. And then you just slowly end up with a large and ever-expanding supply of journaling slash scrapbooking slash collage supplies. Correct. Okay. Always on hand. Just on hand. Right. So <laughs> find those tools that make you excited to want to do the game, right? So if you want to get a new journal, get a new journal. If you want to buy a new pen, buy a pen. Uh, if you want washi tape, stickers, stickers. post-it notes. Right. Okay. I don't even want to... stickers. Yeah, I don't even want to push send any further down that that rabbit hole other than to tell you that um, if you go to jetpens.com, you will lose your mind. So set yourself a budget and then go on to uh, jetpens. Okay. (laughs) I know that free shipping is at $35. Yeah, so you'll definitely spend $35 because, you know, free shipping. Free shipping. (laughs) The next thing I'm going to tell you is that you need to... Find a space in your weekly, daily routine, daily, weekly routine, in which to play the game so that other things don't push it out, right? Make this game a priority. Not it's, It doesn't have to be your highest priority, but you need to make time for this game. Right. If you are, if you say to yourself like, oh, cool, I'm going to play this game every night before I go to bed and leave it like nebulous like that, and then you let a whole bunch of other stuff like encroach that and now it's too late and you're not going to play today maybe you'll play tomorrow then you don't play tomorrow like then you've like fallen out of the like you've fallen out of a routine right and it's hard to engage a game just like it's hard to play a multiplayer rpg when you have to cancel a bunch of initial games early going back to that engagement curve remember yeah that early part of the engagement is the the anticipation and excitement of getting to play the game if you stall that then you don't get to the other part of that curve which is the game kicking in and being exciting and so then all of a sudden now you're not playing the game yep okay so find a space in your day and it can be whatever it is you play at lunch at work you play uh, after dinner whatever it is block out a spot you're making a commitment to this game for a short period of time you don't have to play every day. You could play this once a week. You could play this a couple times a week. You could play this only on weekends. It doesn't matter. It's a solo RPG. It's up to you. But find a spot for it in your day, in your week. Also, solo RPGs are a creative endeavor, even more so because you're by yourself. Yes. Um, you need to find a spot in your day when your creativity is high. Like for me, three o'clock in the afternoon is not a time for me to play a solo RPG. Three o'clock in the afternoon is barely a time I can stay awake as I approach 50. Um, And so it is reserved for things like sorting email and yeah. uh, clicking on things because because <laughs> my creativity yeah my creativity yeah my creativity energy is super low so I either have to do this thing 
like for me personally, I either have to do it first thing in the morning or after dinner. Yeah. Those are the two spots where my creativity are higher than uh, any other point of the day. All right. So find that time of day. Super important. The next thing I'm going to suggest is also create a ritual around your gameplay. And what do I mean by a ritual? I mean, have some things that you always do before you play. Because one of the things you want to do is get into the correct mind space to play this game. And you need to kind of transition from daily life into gameplay. And your ritual doesn't have to be super complicated, right? So it could be, I play this game at 7 o'clock every evening. And I always make a cup of tea and go sit, like, go sit in my comfy chair, take out, you know, I have my my new implements, my journal and my pen, and I drink my cup of tea while sitting in the chair and journaling today's prompt. Um, when we create ritual, we what we're doing is we are creating a transition from one mental space into another, right? The ritual brings us into the proper mental space to engage the game. And so by having a ritual, be it something like a drink, a snack, um, your favorite sweatpants, right? I always, like, I like to get into my comfy clothes to do this, right? Um, or not, maybe you want to actually dress up. Maybe you're playing Thousand-Year-Old Vampire and you, mm. do, you do a little personal cosplaying. Like, right. there's nothing Put wrong. Put on your like, shirt with the floofy sleeves. Yeah, yeah, you know, your- Light a you, candle. Yeah, your, you know, corset dress, whatever, like- Whatever it is, like, because you can totally do that. But by creating that ritual, what you're doing is you're telling your mind, okay, we are about to begin playing the game. And your mind, because we are like, we are wired for this, right? Your mind will be like, ah, we're, we're drinking the tea and start putting itself into that space. That one combined with the above one, having a set time and having a little beginning or end ritual, light a candle, whatever, will help you get into a proper a proper space to engage the game all right and then lastly and i think this is one it's fun to do during but then it's even more fun uh afterwards is make a souvenir yeah um we often um keep artifacts and souvenirs from the games that we play um whether we're aware of it or not uh, I know you do it and I do it too. I have a folder full of character sheets from convention games. Yep, absolutely do. That I play. Those are artifacts. They will never, they're souvenirs, right? They will never do anything for me. No. <laughs> ever again. Other than when I go and look at them from time to time and I look upon them and fondly remember games that I've played. Once Tracy Hickman once said, and I think this is a pretty um, insightful thought, is that... Um, a book is the souvenir that we keep from the journey that we've been on, right? Why throw, why, why do you keep books that you, you know, that you've read and you've liked, already read. Mm-hmm. right? Maybe you'll read them again, but why do you really keep them? They're souvenirs. Well, I um, keep them because I read them again. Yeah. Well, that's the other A part. Lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So the, so the, the same should hold true for your, for your um, RPG and a lot of solo RPGs kind of generate their own artifacts, but not all of them. Yeah. Right, a journaling a journaling game definitely creates an artifact in the journal. Yes. Um, the um, the the embroidery one is I'm totally so excited to do that. Yeah, like that is totally like that's a thing you could put up on a wall. 
Yeah, actually, when, when it was on Kickstarter, one of the ways that you could back it was that um, they were they were getting um, kerchiefs of the map that you stitch it onto screen printed. And so at a certain level, you got the kit that had the kerchief in it. And then once you played the game and embroidered your path onto the kerchief, then you have a piece, like an artifact that you could literally wear, right? Yeah. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, even just taking it and stapling it to um, to a wood frame. Sure. Or, you know, using it. Um, I think one of the other things they said was like using it as an altar cloth. Um, sure. But like anywhere that you could use a kerchief. So you could hang it, you could wear it, you could, you know, yeah. put it uh, on a it, table. All, could... all of that, right? But the thing is, it's exciting and yeah. it will lead you to completion, right? Yes. Like if you know that like one of the cool things you're going to do is finish off this map, it will help you um, get to the end of it because you want to like get this done and then even better when you have done it and you like save it hang it up put it on a shelf whatever um it is a reminder of the cool time you had playing the game which is not only going to remind you about the cool time of playing the game it will also encourage you to finish play and finish other games yes because yes because once you've done one then you get the satisfying happy feels out of it exactly yeah so cool um, those were my major uh, points. Um, kind of wrapping it up. From the game side, we're talking about um, finding a game that you find interesting and finding a core, the core loop of the game to be interesting. Yep, and to be doable and engaging and work for your time frame. Yeah, you don't want it to feel like work. You want to, f- you want it to feel like recreation. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, if you were like an accountant and the game was like all about spreadsheets, you might not be like, it might not (laughs) feel like recreation, might not feel like recreation. And then you might not want to do it. Um, that part you will have to just know for yourself. And some of it will be a little trial and error. Like you might look at a game and be like, Oh, that looks super interesting. And that core loop looks good. And then play it and be like, you know, didn't actually work for me. Didn't actually work for me. It's okay. That's okay. That's learning. Um, eventually you will develop a thing that you know that you really like. And then from the productivity side, again, um, you're doing those productivity things not as the main way to stay engaged, but as basically um, a way to bolster that engagement. Yeah. Like the main excitement of the game is still going to always be the game, but these other things are like kind of things you prop up underneath it to keep that excitement up there. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. I hope Sounds we did a good, good job answering that question. I feel like we we brought some stuff to it. Yeah. Um, hopefully that helps. Let us know if yeah, you have absolutely. more questions about it that we can tackle or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, Senda, we should uh, transition ourselves over to the closing. But in order to do that uh, as part of our ritual, mm-hmm. um, you um, talk about another show on the Mistracted Mark Network. I do, and today I'm going to talk about Bone, Stone, and Obsidian, on which Jesse and Robert take monthly deep dives, dive, ooh, dear, monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all the editions of D&D. There was a lot of Ds in there, and they all just got mushed together. <laughs> this is how you know our endings are bespoke every time. Bespoke. <laughs> um... Yeah, you gonna ask me a question now? I am. <laughs> Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? 
Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can do what Magical Girl Kira did today. And you can give us a ticky-tocky. You can du- duet us. Uh, I said Stitch in my video, and I was wrong and did not understand how TikTok worked yet. I was very early in my TikTok experience. Uh, and, yeah, just duet it. <laughs> I have to tell you that I keep, I'll make a new one. <laughs> I keep in my head saying Magical Girl Akira, which is like a totally you know, different. Totally like, different. Then there's like Magical Girl, but also like motorcycles and blood involved. Magical I don't know. Girl Canada. Like there's a whole thing, Yee. right? Like, like Anyway, um, what we need you to do is reach out to us with questions, topics, uh, show ideas. Um, don't worry about it being too perfect we're really good at kind of um taking your thoughts and spinning them out into shows that's our part your part Mm -hmm. is just give us some ideas especially if it's ideas that we like ideas and questions that will make your game better we'll whip it up into a game into a um into a show we're that we're good at that like don't worry about that part um but do do share with us we really try very hard on the show to not come up with our own topics um because we are working to make your games more better right i say it funny because i i want you i want people to remember it right like we're (laughs) really here to give you advice to hopefully make your games more enjoyable Um, because if you are enjoying the games that you are running then you will run more of them and then you will get all the good feels the love and everything else from running rpgs that um, we all um, in the hobby get, and we want you to keep getting those. Yes. So our job Agreed. is to make that easier for you. Hopefully, yes. By solving problems and giving advice. <laughs> okay. Um, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Patreons get access to the Bamboo Lounge, the um, after show, as well as access to our awesome Slack Room for Life. Um, I've gone on about it in previous episodes. I won't go on about it too much here other than 101 fantastic people jammed together talking about food, gaming and life um, in really, in really good and supportive ways. So uh, do, uh, do consider joining us on the Patreon campaign. Patreon campaign is also what kind of keeps the lights on for us at Misdirected Mark Central hosting backups, all of those things. Um, It's super important and we appreciate everybody who can, uh, who can support us. If you are already supporting us, thank you very much. If you can't support us, we totally understand. There's still a thing that you can do to help us that costs nothing, which is always just to get the word out about the show. Um, we are a tiny podcast floating in a very big sea of podcasts. Um, and it is sometimes hard to get spotted. Um, and the way, the best way for us to get spotted is for you to just tell other people about the show. Um, which is of course, tell your fellow gamers, um, but also it's the little things like when somebody puts up on social media, name a podcast you really enjoy. If you really enjoy us and don't mind putting us down, um, helps us greatly because it will bring people to the podcast. We'll do the rest of the work once they get here. Once they get here, we'll, we'll do the rest of the, like we'll do the work to get them to keep listening. But if you can just point some people at us, we would be greatly appreciative. There's also a thing you can do that's a little more anonymous, but nevertheless important. Send it. What is that thing? Well, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get helps tell strangers 
that we're cool and that they should listen to the show and makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside because artistic validation is a thing. So thank you very much to everybody who's already left a review. We really, really do appreciate them. And thank you so much to everyone who is going to leave a review. We appreciate you too. We appreciate you all for listening. Indeed, indeed. Say, Senda, what is the next solo RPG you're going to play? I don't know yet. Why would you ask me that question? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Ta-da! Ta-da! Okay, cool. I got waveforms. You got waveforms? I have waveforms. All right, we're going to do this the fast opening. The fast one. We've been chatting for a while. People don't know that, but we've been chatting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast kitty meow meow. Pull my shoes. <laughs> okay. Future sender. Insert audio here. <laughs>